Welcome to another edition of the Inside BS Show. I'm Dave Lorenzo, and today we've got something really cool for you. Guys, you're going to love this, and women who are listening, I think you're going to love this even more. We have an entrepreneur with us today named Amy Siegfried, and she created one of the best ideas I've come across in a really long time. Have you ever wondered what you can talk about at the water cooler at work back in the days when you were at work and there was a water cooler have you ever wondered what you could talk about besides politics you know that that crazy uncle you just want to pop in the mouth when he talks about how great the country is because of this politician or how terrible the country is because of your favorite politician well you don't have to worry any longer because Amy has created, along with her brother Scott, she created the greatest website for you to be able to make small talk with people. And in fact, if you like sports, it's not even small talk. It's your primary conversation. And she's going to tell us all about why she created it and how she created it. You see, when Amy's athletic career was uh, short-lived, while it was short-lived or when it was cut short, she fell in love with the world of sports. And that that learned love for sports came in handy when she embarked on her career in spe in professional sports. She's lived internationally, which provides her with a global perspective. She worked in Major League Baseball. She's had a career in public relations and marketing. She was a TEDx speaker, and she's the master of small talk. She's going to teach us a little bit about networking today. But what we're going to start off talking about is this great website she founded called Last Night's Game. So enough from me. Let's meet Amy Siegfried and talk about Last Night's Game. All right, Amy. So give us the inside BS. Where did the idea for Last Night's Game come from? Because it is brilliant. Well, thank you so much. And thank you for having me here today. Uh, this this brilliant idea, I will take that. Thank you. I came from my time working for the Arizona Diamondbacks. I started working there as an intern, and I was about 20. And I took one of my girlfriends with me to a game, and the guys were running off the field. And she said, well, what are they doing? I said, they have three outs. And she said, what's an out? And I thought, okay, great. She's She grew up in a household with a bunch of women, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but not everybody needs to know sports, and not everyone knows sports. But how can I get her excited about the world of sports enough that she can join that conversation at work uh, or on a date, because that was very important, we were 20, um, on a date or uh, at the office or networking events? And how do you engage in that small talk? Because I knew that was such uh, a tool in my toolkit that I had that I, I felt bad that she didn't have that. And so my idea was, okay, how do we put this together? And that was before email blast. And that was before you could whip up a website on Squarespace. And I, I called my brother, who is the reason I know so much about sports, and said, hey, I've got this idea. Let's figure out how to make sports approachable for everyone. There's so many great stories around sports that are outside of the box score. That's boring. No one wants to talk about that anyways. And he was like, that's a great idea. But I'm in high school and you work 80 hours a week. So how are we going to do that? And so that idea sort of you know, hit the parking lot agenda. And uh, when I moved back to the U.S. from Singapore, uh, about uh, 2015, there it was right around Thanksgiving, so no one was really hiring. And I thought, okay, well, I've got two months or so until the job market kicks back up, so why don't we just give this thing a shot? And so we started off by sending our friends and family a, a link to our website via a Gmail email. Mm -hmm. 
and it grew from there because it became too big for uh, for Gmail to send. And so we had to go in and develop all the process to put that together. And uh, yeah, we created our own website. I mean, there, as anyone knows who's created a website, there are a lot of four-letter words involved with creating a website. It's it's kind of painful. So, you know, we did all those things, and it was really important for me to get in there and get dirty and do it myself. Um, I've had a bunch of clients previously in my career who spent a ton of money to launch a business, you know, from the letterhead to the hmm. business cards, and then it didn't go anywhere. And I was really really um it was really important for me to not do that and so we've taken it from that from that ugly thing we rolled out in the beginning to to where we are now so yeah it's it's fantastic so the website is lastnightsgame.com and you have all sorts of information on there about sports and if you click on the what's happening tab there's a the first thing that you that you go to is what to talk about instead of politics, which I love. I think that's awesome. You also, you have a pop culture tab on there. There's a, there's a bit of a sports flavor to the pop culture tab. Talk about that. Is that so that you can kind of cross over and, you know, if people are, if people are kind of stuck when they're making small talk about sports, you also give them a couple of pop culture slash sports related stories to read? Right. I think that so much uh, so much that happens in the world of sports mm-hmm. isn't in the box score. It's not what happens on the field. What is conversational is what happens around the game. I, I think that if you go to a people.com or any other sort of celebrity website, they have a sports section now. And so you look at some of those where sports has become much more uh, a crossover. It's not just it's not just country music. It's not just rock and roll. It's that crossover. And I think that people learn if it's interesting, people learn if it's entertaining, and that's the key in our writing, but it's also the key in finding what we talk about. Because if you're intrigued and you understand and you know who JLo is, then you might be interested in learning about what happened and what she's involved in when, you know, for instance, when they tried to buy the Mets or something. Mm-hmm. And so I think if you're able to, my, my philosophy is if you're able to intertwine things, it makes it much easier for anyone to just uh, pick up and talk about sports. There's not that um, barrier to entry, if you will, that comes with watching ESPN or some of those um, sports stations. It's, it's it's available for everybody. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about you and your you and your career. And how did you when you started out when you started off? Did you want to work in sports, or was the the job with the Diamondbacks right in your wheelhouse for what you were studying in school? You know, I went to school uh, to be a journalist and I emphasize in uh, PR. Mm-hmm. And so I was a member of the PRSSA, which is the Public Relations Student Society of America. And there's a uh, an adult version of that, if you will, a working person's version of that. And the PR guy from the DBACs came in and brought, uh, who would be my for- former future boss, excuse me, in to talk with us. And he told us all about the PR world as it relates to baseball. And then she got up and started talking about how she runs the community relations department and the foundation and all the work that they do in the community, working with players and schools, et cetera. And I just had that aha moment, the light sort of shone down from heaven on her. And I thought, okay, this is what I want to do. I had really no idea what I wanted to do with life after, after school, like so many people do. Mm -hmm. And that was my, I think my, the end of my junior year. And so I, she, I talked to her after the, the meeting and she said they were having, they had an opening for an intern. And so I applied and went through a ton of interviews. It was quite a long process, 
but I got it and it was so exciting and it worked my tail off and that was, I, I loved it. And that's why I, I love to work my tail off because it was fantastic. And I mean, at one point she looked at me and said, if I, I know you have class on Wednesdays at two, if you're in this office one more time on a Wednesday at two o'clock, I'm going to fire you. Mm -hmm. You have to go to school. <laughs> and so uh, it, it was, it was a great place to start and a job I never knew I wanted and never knew existed, which I think is, we always kind of say around here, if you can't be it if you can't see it. Mm -hmm. And so it was really neat for me to have that visibility into, into that. And sports wasn't necessarily on my radar. It was something I always, I enjoyed. I really learned to love sports because my brother played every sport that was imaginable. Yeah. And so I was forced to sit on the sidelines. I was a dancer. I played soccer for one season and I was terrible. I kicked in the face. I cried. It really wasn't my thing. So uh, this was much more of my speed, but that's, that's how I came to love sports so much. And it's been a, it was a great spot to start a career because you really do get a lot of connections from it. Mm -hmm. That was a huge piece for me, but um, it, it prepared me for a lot of different things because so much of an industry like that, it, you've got to really learn a little bit about a lot. Mm -hmm. And so I really felt like that prepared me to take the next steps in my career and to, to help me grow and to be a great entrepreneur as well. So what, it, what, do you, what don't people know about working in Major League Baseball that they should know, right? What is, give, them, give them a glimpse behind the scenes of you know, the inner workings of an MLB team. What, what, are, what, do people, you know, what do people need to know that you're, when, you're, when, you're, when you think about it, you know, when you walked in there, you were like, wow, this is how this works. I would say there's a couple of, of, of funny ones. I would say, uh, first of all, the people who get paid well are the people on the field, not the people in the office. <laughs> the, the second thing is it's a lot of hours, especially baseball, because you have 162 games and they're long. Baseball games are long. Mm -hmm. So uh, football season sounded kind of like a nice option with a few, a couple fewer games. So there's that. Uh, your friends will come out of the woodworks whenever mm -hmm. their favorite team or a big team comes to town when they want tickets. So there's that. I think that uh, that was always a fun one. You're, oh, the Red Sox are coming to town. Great. I know I'm going to get five phone calls from these people. Yeah. Uh, but I would say my I think the the thing that I continue to st to stress to people when we, we ask they they ask about it is the, the your athletes are humans. You know, they want to see their kids. They you know, they make mistakes. They do all these things, but they're humans. So when you're chastising them on social media or whatever that is, remember there's a human there. And I know they get paid a lot of money to do that. I get that. But they've made a lot of sacrifices too in their lives and vice versa. So, I mean, I look at it, their families don't get them for a significant amount of time during the year. If your child's birthday is May 1st during baseball season, guess what? You're not likely going to spend baseball or excuse me, spend birthday with them until your career is over. And so those are kinds of things that I think it's just putting a different perspective on it. And I, I get that they're paid well and they're meant to be role models because kids do look up to them. But I think it's also to remember that they're human. They all work really hard at what they do. No one shows up uh, in the locker room and doesn't work out and doesn't do all the things they need to do to be excellent. They're all there working really hard to be there. And so you know give people a little slack every once in a while they're human too yeah you know you bring up a good point and i think it'll it'll be a good segue into talking about networking i uh i've told the story before on the show but the last flight i took before the pandemic i was flying from new york to miami and it was super bowl weekend last year the super bowl was here in miami 
And I just happened to sit next to CeCe Sabathia on the plane. And I'm a huge Yankee fan. I've been a Yankee fan all my life. I uh, When I lived in New York, I had Yankee season tickets at, with uh, some guys I worked with. So he's sitting next to me, and I'm thinking to myself, I got to figure out how to start up a conversation. So I you know, knew a lot about his personal life, and I had just had a situation coaching my son, so I asked him for advice as a dad. Well, we talked for three hours, uh, the entire flight from New York to Miami. We walked off the plane together. We walked out to, you know, he went to the taxi stand, and I, I went to my car, and, you know, the entire conversation started and an hour of the conversation was about how tough it is to be a dad and coach your kid when you're extremely competitive. This is to your point about the athletes being human and about points of commonality when it comes to networking. So did you, were you always kind of a people person and your networking skills were, were there or did you learn to hone these skills when you're around high profile people and you had to strike up a conversation while you're waiting to usher them to the next charity event or you're standing next to them while you're waiting for the camera guy and the reporter to get set up. How did you uh, it, how did you end up breaking the ice with people who you know may have been a little intimidating? I think the people who are probably more intimidating than those athletes are some of the executives and CEOs that I've worked with. I mean, to me, that's that's so intimidating. And I would say that all those scenarios are scenarios that are true that you need to know a little bit about a lot. I always say I'm a jack of all trades and a master of none. But I truly think that the more we learn, the more you can communicate and kind of fit in with everyone else. And I don't mean that in a bad way, like you don't want to fit in, but you need to be able to just have some commonality once every once in a while. And so I would say that I am was naturally kind of talkative. I was always the one who got in trouble in school. So there was that. Mm. But uh, I'm still intimidated to walk into a big room that I don't know anyone in. I still find that intimidating. Sometimes I still escape to hide in the bathroom <laughs> for 10 minutes and just give it a, give it a quick pep talk to myself. But I think part of what uh, I, I do as, as a, who I am is I try to read the news. I try to kind of diversify what I do and how I learn. And it's everything from I'm reading, you know, a parenting book. I'm currently getting my, my MBA. And so that has given me a foray into a whole different segment that I, I wasn't a business major. So for me, it was really important to understand some of the inner workings of global finance and some of those things, because that's just one more tool in your toolkit. And so I would say that I, you can need to know everything from a, a football player or an athlete, an athlete and what's going on there, all the way to what the latest food craze is. If, if you've never heard of TikTok, you know, that kind of stuff, I think there's always great idea to have that, that wealth of knowledge and that plethora of knowledge that kind of can, can cross over from anywhere from the person taking your toll to toll booth all the way up to the CEO that you meet with that, you know, your or CC Sabathia, who would be your, your version of that CEO, right, right, of the Mecca and talking about their kids. I think that's so important. And I think kids is actually a, a huge, uh, a huge one to be able to talk to people because most people are really excited to talk about their kids, but don't want to because you never want to be that person that says, oh, let me show you these pictures of my children because back in the day when you had the big wallet thing that would come out with all the kids' pictures. So I think there's just an opportunity to really diversify uh, who you are and what you know because you never know who you're going to run into and you never know how you might be able to take that conversation to the next level. And that's kind of how we talk about sports is – 
even if I start talking to you and you say you're a huge Yankees fan and I can relate to you on a couple of things and I say, but you know what? I really love New York. What was your what was your favorite street food in New York? Mm. And you can take that conversation and turn it into something that you know so much more about than sports. And so I think there's always that great foray into conversation and then turning into what well, you might be able to have a conversation about, but no one really even notices, kind of like a politician, right? No one notices if you've taken that left turn to something that you know a little bit better. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I fall back on all the time and I and I tell my clients they can fall back on all the time is is kids, pets and hobbies. Right. If you can <laughs> figure out uh, whether the person has kids or they have a pet or what their favorite hobby is, if you know just a little bit about it, all you have to do is ask a question and help folks understand the difference between, you know, having surface level knowledge and asking great questions versus appearing like you know things you don't know because so often i run into people who you know they read something uh right before they came in on their phone and they mention it as if they're an authority and then they run into the wrong person and that person asks them a question and they're like humming a humming a humming a so you know talk about <laughs> having surface knowledge asking good questions versus trying to pretend you're a know-it-all well, I think I am guilty of this one of pretending I know what I'm doing and then all of a sudden not asking the questions when you don't know what's going on because you want to, you all of a sudden want to, you don't want someone to think you're dumb, right? We all have that fear of, of that. I don't know what I'm talking about. And so uh, what I've learned to do is when we get to a spot where I'm stuck, hey, you know what? I saw this great article today about the GameStop situation and the, the, the legislature talking about that. Let's... I know a little bit about it. I know what GameStop is, but if you you know if you ask me something hardcore, I might say, you know what? I'm not entirely sure. I read this article. I only read the first couple of paragraphs, but I'd really love do you know more because I'd love to learn more. Yeah. And I think that's the same with sports. Is feel free to admit that you have no idea who won the 1972 Super Bowl because most people probably don't. Mm. And so if you're saying, okay, great, tell me who that is, and let me learn from you because so many people people want to be that authority figure, right? Mm. And they want to say, okay, I'd love to, I'd love to tell you and share my knowledge. That's why we listen to podcasts. That's why we read newspapers. We love to absorb knowledge from others. And we love to give it if we have it. And so there's no, no harm, no foul in saying, Hey, you know, what? I don't know who won the 1972 Super Bowl. Could you, do you, do you know, will you tell me? Mm. That's great. What about the team? And you know, what other stories might I be able to glean from that? And so I think there's nothing wrong that making team, making sports a team sport, I think that is something that people are so afraid of, especially in uh, with a really rabid sports fan. Mm -hmm. I'm terrified of some rabid sports fans because I don't know half that stuff. And it's so I think it's really important to say, you know, I know this, but I don't know that part. And so to ask questions and don't have to be the authority and uh, set our egos aside, which, like I said, is not always easy. Yeah. One, one of the questions I love to ask, and I mean, maybe maybe it makes me seem stupid but it always allows people the opportunity the space for spewing their knowledge on on something is what do i need to know about so uh i saw like this morning um you know getting ready to come in here and uh and do a, a show early this morning and i glance at the today show and there's a, a yet another prince william and kate middleton story right so if i was around somebody who i knew was into that I'd be, I would say something to the effect of, hey, you know, I saw something about this. What do I need to know about, you know, Kate and Prince William? 
you know, and oh, they would go on for 20 minutes. And all of a sudden, I'm a great conversationalist because I asked the right question. Mm -hmm. I do that. All, well, for this show, I do it all day long. But for in in small talk, I do that all the time. You know, I heard you work at XYZ Company and I read I, I heard you work on Wall Street. You know, I was reading about that whole GameStop thing. What is what do I need to know about that? Why is why should that be important to me? Oh, you know why that should be real people rigging the markets. Are you kidding? I mean, that's a 20 minute conversation right there with me doing no talking. Perfect. That's exactly what I want at a cocktail party, <laughs> you know, or right. or with somebody who I just met. So I, I love um, I love the idea of, you know, having that sports uh, opportunity as a point of commonality. Before you thought of this, what was your kind of go-to uh, networking strategy? So, you know, you're uh, you seem like a people person. You're you're thrust into a, a place where uh, you're meeting a bunch of new people, and you're psyched up. You're ready to go. What what was your go-to um, networking strategy before you had the? I'm, I'm going to call it the greatest cheat sheet ever in last night's game. Before you had that great <laughs> cheat sheet, right? What would you do for networking? You know, I would sneak my way in the room. I would always try, especially the networking events, which they all should, but the ones that have name tags. Mm. I think that's always a huge piece because you can kind of work your way around the room and maybe grab a drink or grab a snack and kind of see who's who's who. Uh, but I would always just try to find a, a something that looked like a friendly face yeah. and just say, it's sort of like a, a first date, right? How, how did you get here? How did you understand? What did you... How are you affiliated with the organization? Is this your first time at an event like this? I always think that's a great foray because I, I really dislike the question of what do you do for work? I think that's just a very narrow question. Mm. And so I'd always try to understand how do you fit in the organization? Okay, so that skill, that's great. So you do this and how do you, I think there's so much more to a person than their job. Mm -hmm. And I think that was one of the biggest challenges for me when I left baseball is there were people who didn't, were no longer friends of mine because they just didn't, they wanted the perks of all of it. And there wasn't that, uh, there wasn't sexy anymore, right? Mm. If you're not in, not in baseball. And so I always tried to equate that you're so much more than your job. I was so much more than baseball and I'm so much more than sports. I am a student and a, a, a woman and a founder and a brother and a sister or brother. I have a brother. Sure. You know, oh, we get it. And a wife, yeah, all the absolutely. things, right? We're all more yeah. than, we're all more than that. And so, I always just try to go to and try to understand who they are a little bit. Um, I always think last travel was always a good one for me. Sure. Because it's always interesting where people travel and what they seek when they get there. Mm. That one's a little more challenging in their COVID times. But people are starting to get out there and we're adventuring out. Uh, it, the go other ones, TV shows, because everyone right now is watching a TV show. And that oh, gives man. you a little what are you bit binge of insight, watching? right? Yeah. What are you binge yeah. watching now? Yeah. Did you finish Ozark? Oh, great. What are you watching now? Yeah. Right. And if they say I'm really into true crime show X, Y, Z, then you have that insight to them, too, of other different questions you can ask. And if they're into comedies or whatever it might be, it gives you a great idea of who they are and how you might be able to steer that conversation. But once again, I always went with what you said is I asked a lot of questions mm -hmm. and let them do a lot of talking. And that always made them feel obviously validated and made for a great conversation. And so and it, it let them 
spill the beans a little bit more and let me absorb information and be able to ask good questions as well. Yeah, uh, you know, I we used to go back in the back in in the day. I, I'd say back in the day. Now I really feel old, right? Um, when I was uh, when I was younger and when I was an entrepreneur who left the house, I used to go to uh, a lot of networking events, and it just got to the point. And I hate networking events, but. I work with my wife and my wife is a real people person. So I went to a lot of networking events. I, I used to ask the most off the wall questions and I found that it, people really would gravitate to me to see what I was gonna ask them. Hey, do you think there was a second shooter on the grassy knoll? Hmm. Well, that's an interesting way to start a conversation. What's your name? Oh, my name is Dave. Why would you start a conversation? Well, it's as good as any. I mean, what other? Why not? Why not? <laughs> exactly. And the thing is, they're smiling. I'm smiling. And you know, it's a, it's a, it's a great way to, it's a great way to break the ice. My, my rule of thumb has always been: if you're, if you're in a place and you feel awkward, just say, it "Doesn't this, this whole event just feels strange to me? Does it feel strange to you?" No, no, it's just you. Oh, that's great. It's just me. Terrific. You know, like, I'm really. In that case, I guess I'll leave. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> you know? In that case, let me see how strange I can make you feel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, well, look, I people, if it, you right? get them, if you get them laughing, how bad could the conversation go from that point on? Right? Right. I think we all take, everyone takes themselves so seriously. And sometimes you get into those. Oh, my gosh. The first thing that comes out is a business card. You're like, no, no. What's that? You know what? These meatballs really stink at the buffet. They're terrible. No, one of my favorites. Is, <laughs> what are you hey, eating? hey, you smell that? It smells like Legionnaire's disease in here, doesn't it? What? <laughs> <laughs> the person's like, what? <laughs> and that's the greatest way to break the idea. I'm just kidding. I'm sure you'll so be fine. <laughs> it's fine. It's no big deal. It's, don't worry about it. I've already had it. It's not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> Your COVID vaccine should be fine for that. Want totally a shrimp? Um, yeah. Let's talk, talk, talk to me a little bit about um, this is a topic that a lot of people uh, are interested in. And uh, I'm asked about it a lot because uh, I speak often and I haven't done it. So you did a you did a TEDx talk. So explain to folks the process that you went through to get the TEDx talk. Talk about what your topic was, and then let's talk about, um, you know, what happened afterwards. So what was your topic for the TEDx talk? So my topic was how to make sports your secret weapon. And uh, a gentleman in my office, I worked out of a co-working space back in the day. Once again, mm. uh, I worked out of a co-working space, and he approached me and said, hey, I've seen you present before. I think you should I – sh I would like you to sign up to do this TED talk. And I was ultimately flattered because a TED Talk, as we all know, is just the mecca, right? And so I was really excited about it. And so I, what the great part about TED Talks is they pair you with someone and you work with a team. So you're not out there alone. Someone looks at your, your script. Someone gives you ideas for visuals and different things. So that was really helpful because I, I think so often, especially as an entrepreneur, you're stuck in your own head mm. because it's just you or it's you and just a partner. And so it's always hard sometimes to get that outside influence and outside opinion. And so that was really great. And we went and did a practice run, which was fantastic. Uh, you know, we, I tried, I like humor. I think humor is really important. This one happened at a, at a call at a university. So I knew it was going to be a younger crowd. So no one wants to listen to a talking head up there. That's boring. They do that all day long in school. Mm -hmm. And so I added some humor uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of my slides. I, I know at some point I had a statue of David in there and I can't exactly remember why, but something about, you know, a conversation starter. 
And so I, I tried to go through three points that um, that you would use to make sports your secret weapon. One, that sports is in fact a team sport, which we've already kind of talked about. Two, how to utilize your social media and things that you're already on to maximize your exposure. So if your boss loves the Chicago Cubs, follow the Chicago, Chicago Cubs yeah. on Instagram. Then you can at least have an idea. It's pictures, so it's easy. You can understand who won. You understand if someone had a big night, whatever that might be. So you just have that little idea that you keep in your mind uh, when you scroll through your Instagram feed. And the other one was be, sports are everywhere. And I think that's one thing that we kind of talked about earlier is from wineries to the front page of a celebrity magazine to your Calm app. I just learned yesterday that LeBron James reads stories on the Calm app. <laughs> so, I mean, no matter where you look. There's sports. What? Wait, I know. Wait, back up. That to me, back I... up a minute. Yeah. <laughs> he's, got, he's got nothing else going on. He's reading no. like Dr. Seuss. What the hell is he reading on the So I guess she, she said that, uh, and I, I, I'm not a, I don't have the comment yet. I might, I will have to after this, but I guess he, it's, it's sort of like a nighttime story. doc. <laughs> <laughs> so he sits there, uh, his, his, his stuff is a uh, nighttime stories. Okay. And she said he very <laughs> slowly better. and methodically, even better, slowly and methodically uh, tells stories about like what he's, how he goes and takes that deep, slow breath before he takes a shot. And he talks through very methodically through what that is. And it's very calm and soothing. And she said, she said, he's my favorite. She goes, I don't like sports. And he's my favorite person to listen to before I go to bed, just because it calms me. And so the sports are everywhere. And that's what one of the things we talked about <laughs> in that TED what talk. A, what a great nugget that is. I'm going <laughs> right? to download the Calm app. What are you doing? Listening that. to LeBron. He's putting me to sleep. <laughs> right? It's no longer just Gatorade. It's no longer just Gatorade. That's, that's fantastic. My 12-year-old my, my told me yesterday that he was uh, – that he's going to be in the next uh, – ne like there's a, they're doing a, a, a Disney – like a Roger Rabbit, I think, movie. and Or Space Jam. He's going to be in the next – I'm sorry, Jam, yep. not Roger Rabbit. Space Jam. He's going to be in the next Space Jam movie. Um, I guess the Calm app is not – if you're doing Space Jam, the Calm app seems like uh, not that much of a stretch, huh? Oh, that's – that's You keep that's, those young fans. So yeah, there you go. No, that's, that's amazing. <laughs> that's fantastic. All right. So you get the TED Talk. I'm sure you killed it, right? You did – I'm sure you did great. Sure. Okay. And <laughs> no, it, what, went, it went well, but you know you're your worst critic, right? <laughs> of course. Of course. Yeah. I mean, listening to these – listening to the, my own – the sound of my own voice on these shows sometimes is is enough to, you know, emulate fingernails on chalkboard. So you kill mm -hmm. it at the TED Talk, and then what happens? Because everybody says, oh, you know, if I could just get a TED Talk, the next thing – yeah, okay. So what happened? How did, how, did, how did the TED Talk help you in your career? I'll be honest. It was, it was another thing for me to use as promotion and to have – as uh, when we would go out and pitch media and different things, I can say, here's this, here's a link to this TED Talk, especially when we were new mm. and we hadn't done any other TV interviews or anything like that. I didn't have anything to share to sh uh, showcase that I can talk to people. Mm -hmm. You know, no one wants someone who isn't conversationalist to be on the, the news. And so that was one more thing that I could use as an opportunity for us. But I wouldn't say that the phone started ringing off the walls or anything like that. I think it was a great opportunity. It was a great learning experience for me, but I wouldn't say that the the like I said the the, the phones rang off the hook or my inbox was flooded with emails. But it was one more chink in my armor for that. And I think there, it was great because it gave me exposure to a lot of new a new audience. And so, I, the thing is, it was a younger it's a younger crowd. It was a lot of college kids, 
and it was very cute because afterwards there's a reception and they students can come talk to you and and faculty and all, all the other people it was open to the public but anyone could come talk to you and I had one girl in the bathroom when I was washing my hands say, you did a really good job and like shrunk up and ran off. <laughs> so it was kind of funny to, to think that people were afraid to talk to you. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's uh, look, it's a it's a great credibility piece. And we're we're talking about it now. So it's another it's just another, you know, thing for you to differentiate yourself from other people mm-hmm. who are out there who do who, who are doing what you do. Tell me, so, so tell me about going back and getting uh, and getting your MBA now. What inspired you? Uh, you know, you're you were already successful. What inspired you to go get? You, and you mentioned you wanted to learn about international finance and that stuff, but is that it? Was it just a pure learning experience for you, or did you did you think you needed the additional credential, or are you you know are you looking to teach in the future? What are what are some of your what were some of your ambitions when you went back to get your MBA? Well, I always knew I wanted to go back to get a master's. And for me, business was an area that I just didn't have the expertise in. And when I was an undergrad, the idea of taking that much math was just intimidating. It was not my thing. Hence why I was a journalism major. I took media statistics. That was it. Mm -hmm. And so when I came back from overseas, it was one of the things that was on my list. It was important for me to do that. But shortly after we got pregnant with my son, and I I have a two year old now, and I am involved in a group called Irish Angels, which is an angel investing group based out of Chicago. And I was talking to one of the ladies at a reception there and, and talk about that's a great spot to have all the random assortment of knowledge because it's so many brilliant people from different industries that I use all kinds of stuff in the networking events there. But I was talking to one of the ladies about going back to school and she had gone to Notre Dame for her master's. And she said, do it now before you're, because I said, I'm going to wait till he's a little bit older. And she said, do it now because Mm. when your son's seven or eight, he's going to have birthday parties and t-ball games and soccer games and all those things. And he's also going to remember you're gone. Where when they're little, obviously they have a little bit of a more short-term memory and they grow out of all those things. That's why bumping your head as a child, you didn't remember that, right? Mm. So that was really important to me to, to do that, but then also do it in a time frame that benefited my family and didn't put too much strain on my husband who travels a lot for work. Luckily he doesn't right now, but travel travels a lot for work because the program I'm in, I go to uh, the Notre Dame program in Chicago. And so I travel every other weekend to Chicago for school. Mm-hmm. And so there, I knew that there was going to be a big strain on our family to, to do that. So that was really important for me to do that at the right timing. But also I knew it wasn't going to be necessarily something I would do for work. This was for me. Um, like I said, I mentioned about the, the angel investing group, there are a lot of things that we'd work through financials of different companies that we were looking at. And I didn't always know what those meant. I was that person in the back row sort of writing down small words to go back and look up later because I didn't know what they were. Yeah. And so I felt like that was something I was really lacking. And this is a really expensive, really long-term painful way to learn those things, but it's been a really fantastic opportunity. And for me, you're going to be surprised when I say this. I love the people. That's what I've, I've, I've taken the most from this uh, is the people. As an adult, we don't get an opportunity to meet 50 new people yeah. all the time. Yeah. And so that has been a huge, huge opportunity for me to not only learn, but learn from my colleagues. And that has been very cool. I think I've learned more from them than I have from the books. And don't tell that to the professors. But they've their real life situations and what they're working with is so beneficial and being an entrepreneur, I've had classmates come up to me and say, 
hey, can I help you with this? You know, you mentioned that you were struggling with X, Y, Z. Can I help you? I can, I can do that. And so it's really great to see those people who are, we're all willing to invest in each other. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's been really a very cool thing on top of the, the learning knowledge is just the, the humans. The, the people and that's yeah. the best I love that and I've learned a little bit about Chicago sports why I'm there because I have to go in and pretend I know what's happening in the bear season so <laughs> there's that too yeah well <laughs> luckily the bear season never gets extended so you only have to never, 16 games and you're done um you know one of the one of the things that I that I will say for those who uh, who are listening I uh I went back later in life and uh went back to grad school later in life and for those who are listening if you think by any stretch of the imagination that an executive program, the word executive means easier, it's actually more challenging depending on how they're structured. You just heard Amy say every other weekend, you know, the program that I was in was four days a month, but it was four consecutive days. It was Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And I don't know the way your program is structured, the way ours was, we would present the final, the capstone uh, presentation from one module on Thursdays and then start a new module Thursday night. And, you know, we would probably be taking a final exam from the previous module on Sunday. And then after we left Sunday, we would have to meet with teams for the for the entire mm -hmm. month. You're meeting with your team once or twice like this virtually once or twice a month so that you're ready for the next module. I mean, it's it's a. It's like drinking out of a fire it hose. Is exactly, I mean, it that's really exactly is. right. And I, I'm with you. I was never a big math person, so you know, quantitative business analysis, even you know, the basic stats class you had to take to get into the program was mm -hmm. like overwhelming for me. And I was doing it, you know, in my in my mid 30s, so it was not something that. And I was I, at the time I was working in the corporate world, and I'm like, hey, how, who uses this stuff? I don't, you know, I don't, I don't understand. <laughs> And, but the, you're right. The relationships, and I got out of it exactly what you're getting out of it. The relationships with the people in the cohorts, and in a lot of cases, the relationships with the faculty members. Um, you know, down the road, you'll probably be invited back to be a program advisor, and that's a great opportunity because you get to meet a lot of cool people who are coming into the program, or you'll review projects, and that's a great opportunity. It's just another way to expand the, you know, the the horizons that you're uh, that you're creating for yourself. And speaking of which, and talk about. I, I'm sorry. Go ahead, talk about what's next. No. What's next for uh, for you? What's next for um, for last night's game? What it, what does the future hold for uh, for the business that you're building? Well, we've got some lot of great growth this year. The Super Bowl is always a huge time of year for us because nothing says approachable sports and pop culture like the Super Bowl. Right. So that was a huge opportunity for us to start this year off. We're very excited for the Olympics, also one of our favorite things to cover. But we're continuing to grow the podcast, which is a quick, easy five-minute uh, podcast once a week, and ex expand our newsletter email list, which comes out uh, Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Mm. And so we're continuing to do that. Also to create new content and really figure out, we love content. Mm -hmm. I've worked with a couple of different agencies, and they're all going, you have this much content for two people? And yes, we love it. I think there's a huge opportunity for us just to continue to share that and spread the word about what we're doing. That's our big thing and continue to find partners who want to, to share with us and what we're doing as well. So that's our, our big goal this year is to, to really push that and continue to grow. Yeah, that's great. How do you how do you monetize the site? How does uh, how does the site make money? 
So two different ways. We have obviously advertising. And the second way is we have a merchandise store. Mm. So we started off giving out shirts at uh, different speaking engagements that said, I know who scored last night. Nice. Just because we're kind of a, we're kind of a quirky yeah. website. No, and so some guy came up to me and said, how do I buy this shirt? And I said, oh, well, it's just a giveaway. And my brother said, well, let's make a store. Mm-hmm. And so the, the obvious hit in the head. And so we have an online merchandise store that uh, where we sell different different t-shirts and different items that are fun, kind of quirky, the way we cover sports uh, on, on shirts. And so that is the other way we, way we monetize this. That's great. Did you did you bootstrap this yourselves or did you have to go out and raise money? How did it, uh, how did it come to be? We bootstrapped this all ourselves. Yeah. So it has been, and, and that's kind of like I said in the beginning that it was really important for me to own this and to put the sweat equity into it because I feel for me, I, the value of what we do is the fact we work so hard for it. And if I think if I had outsourced everything in the beginning, and, and everyone has their own way of doing things, don't get me wrong, A does not equal B. But uh, if I would have outsourced everything in the beginning, I don't know that I would have had the same blood, sweat, and tears that I've had in this. And also, I really wanted to understand how the website was made, why it looked like that, how I fixed it so I didn't have to be charged every single time something happened and I needed to go change a word. Mm. And so that all those things were really important for me to do. And so, uh, yeah, that's, that's why, then that's one reason we bootstrapped it because all the above. So, yeah, yeah. What's the, so what's the next big thing for you? Are you, are you an entrepreneur who's always got the next big idea? What's, what's your next big idea? I, I can see you doing a kid's thing or like a mom thing or a something like 180 degrees. You know, this is how moms can feel more plugged into finance or something. What's the next big thing for you? You know, the people have thrown a lot of different ideas out. And there's there's talk where uh, maybe down the line doing a last night's game for different uh, different groups, whether it's finance or politics and short of a, a short and sweet three minute read about what's happening in the world of, of, of politics or finance or et cetera. And so there's talk about that. Uh, I really enjoy writing. That's one of my favorite things that we do and probably why we also have so much content. And so I've written a couple of manuals, if you will, that I've shared with friends that have been passed along that are traveling with kids. Mm. Uh, the, the real life guide to a newborn for moms, because there's a lot of things that no one tells you. So it's sort of those things that I really enjoy. I really enjoy the, the hitting home because if I always know if I have an issue or if I want to learn about something somebody else does. Yeah. So I don't know what that next one is. It's it make it till May when I graduate and then pull pull up from there. Uh, there's conversations with some classmates and starting some consulting work together. And I don't know what that all looks like. So we're going to keep growing this. And one day, hopefully, uh, someone will love us so much as last night's game and want to uh, maybe along and scoop us up yeah and so that would give us an opportunity to go out and do and create more so do you have uh do you have an exit strategy did you go into this with an exit strategy in mind i can't say that we did no to be honest we started this by the seat of our pants if you will Mm -hmm. around the table at thanksgiving Um, nothing like having a glass of wine and pecan pie and discussing discussing business but so no we didn't have an exit strategy and we really don't have one that's one that uh, it'll be a further down the road for us at this point but we're building that's why we're continuing to grow and build that up so we become uh, a much more valuable 
acquisition. So yeah, but you, Amy Siegfried, you are an entrepreneur because you're already thinking about it. You're like, eh, you know, somebody's <laughs> gonna buy us. You're not in love with your business, which is a very, very good thing. That is, you know, somebody comes along with the right offer, you're on to the next thing, and that's that is an entrepreneur. You. You got it. You know uh, You know what it's all about. All right, so we're all going to go to lastnightsgame.com. Uh, we're going to buy shirts. We're going to talk sports. And then we're going to go to the Calm app and listen to LeBron James, <laughs> which yes. I got to tell you, that is gold. I love that. I absolutely I hope Calm starts setting us a kickback for that. <laughs> I, I love that. I can just imagine, like, Gilbert Gottfried reading, uh, you know, Welcome to Whoville as on the Calm app. You'd be a little more like your morning pep talk, yeah, I think, exactly. maybe. What's up out of time? <laughs> uh, Amy, it has been an absolute uh, pleasure speaking with you today. I really, you, uh, you not only taught us a lot about what you're doing and being an entrepreneur, but um, we had some fun. You gave us, uh, you gave us a good couple of laughs. So you want everybody to go to last night's game. They should because it's a great site and uh, and learn a little bit about sports. I'm going to put all of Amy's contact information in the show notes if you want to reach out to her and learn more about what she's working on. Amy, thanks for thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for the laugh. Oh, it was uh, it was my pleasure. So, folks, lastnightsgame.com is the website. All the information is in the show notes. Go there, learn about sports, talk to people about sports. It's way better than talking about politics. This is the Inside BS Show. My name is Dave Lorenzo, and we take you behind the scenes and we share the inside scoop, give you all the insider business secrets, share the inside business strategy, and we cut through all the inside BS that's holding you back. Until tomorrow, here's hoping you make a great living and live a great life. 